You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. My time is yours. I was the last My man standing. For I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. I'm the man. When I walk, the ground shakes. I am the master. I am the ruler of the world. You are now entering the vicious circle. And welcome to the Vicious Circle. Sid, we are lucky. We get to have Barry back. All right, Barry. It's good to have you back tonight. It's good to be back. Yes. And for a very cool topic. I've been uh, looking forward to doing this one with you. This is just a bunch of rumors that I found online. Okay. And it'd be cool to discuss what you think their validity is or if you can disprove any of these. Okay. Okay. The first one that I heard, and it seems baffling, but I wonder... Was Vince Russo sent to sabotage WCW? Now, was he sent either knowingly by Vince, which is one rumor I heard, or was he sent unknowingly by Vince? Vince kind of alienated him and pushed him out to force him to WCW, knowing what Vince would do over there. What do you guys think of that rumor? You know what? Honestly, Barry, you were there. It looked as if... Uh, Vince Russo was purposely um, doing that. But you know what I really think it was? I think he do, just was that bad. You know, that, that, That's what I think. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone is going to purposely try to kill a promotion which could eventually kill his career because he, he think that Vince was going to hire him back and he'd stay there forever. So I just think he was that bad that it came out that way. Me too. I, th- I think it was he was just that bad. You know, he only had just a few little lucky things that he did really well in, in WWF when he was the writer there. It wasn't like he was coming up with the ideas that were, the you know, the deal breakers. You know what I mean? So I really believe, and and also when he was TNA, he was equally as bad there. And, and I like Vince. He's always, me and him really got along all the time. But I really just think he was just that bad. Well, didn't they also have his partner at, at uh, WWF at WCW, Ed Herrera? So weren't the two of them together over over with Vince, and then they came over at WCW? So are they saying that two people purposely came to sabotage? That just seems unlikely. I mean, yeah. Herrera was there as well, right? Right. Now, you know, in the beginning, I thought it was. I said, man, these guys are purposely doing this. But then, you know, I think they got fired and brought back and or something like that. But when I really think about it now, I think they just were that bad. And then two, not to you know make anything lighter for him, but I think it was just way too much for two people, again that didn't really know what they were doing, you know. Well, I actually listened to uh, another podcast which kind of expanded on that, which I think they had some valid points, and it's Conrad Thompson and Bruce Pritchard. They were discussing Vince's book, and in the book he said that he would come up with the ideas and Vince would tweak them. Vince McMahon would tweak right. them. So I think I do believe it was Conrad that said it that that now he's over in WCW with nobody tweaking anything, so you get to see the actuality of what he was trying to produce. Right, and I think Vince Rose had 
Vince Russo's part with as far as creating things in the WWF were really, really small too. It would, from my understanding, and I was he would try to write me an interview once in a while, and I'd look at it and I would fix it or, or go to something else. He wasn't the one creating the ideas. You know what I mean? Everybody knows this. You might have sort of an idea, but Vince is going to take it and he's going to do what he wants to it, and it's going to be Vince's idea. Now, I, I, I've never heard anybody go, uh, "This Russo was responsible for the smoking guns or the, uh, the you know, for Yokozuna or something like that." You know, I think you definitely run into that problem when you have a writing team, right? Because one person will put something out. I, I, I. I my gosh, someone just said this to me today and I'm drawing a blank on who it was. But by the time it gets to the end product, actually, I think it might have been you. By the time it gets to the end product, it might be your idea, right. but it's completely bastardized and changed into something that is not recognizable. Right. I'll give you a real good example that we talked about it before when we did that vignette where we, you know, me and Randy Savage stole Gorgeous George back from Kevin Nash. That was an idea from Stevie Ray. Uh, that he wanted to do, I, I'm not sure how he wanted to do it, but it was exactly like you said. It was bastardized. It was nothing like Stevie Ray's idea, but that happens all the time. Barry, you, you always talk about how when people like what Dust, Dusty did with Oz, how they got this idea about this character, but then they don't know where to go after the first step after that. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like that. He comes up with an idea. I mean, that idea was, okay, Ted Turner owns MGM characters. He owns the Wizard of Oz. We can use it without copyright problems. So why don't we do something with Oz? It's like they thought of this great idea. It wasn't a great idea at all, but we can do this first thing on day one. What do you do on day two, day 10, day 20? Day, and, I, and, I, and, and I was, one of the first times I was in a creative meeting, I was like, oh God, what are you doing? How can you make a, a fictitious place in a movie a wrestling character? What and he just looked at me like I had three heads. Um, I mean, sometimes you're talking about writing partners. Sometimes writing partners are great because one person goes, "What, what if we did this?" And it's just, "Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah." And then it goes this way, and then it just layers on layer. I mean, Sid and I, when we've talked about uh, angles, that's the way it works. One, you never really know eventually who came up with the first idea. It just gets better as the two of you bounce it off each other. Right, but then it becomes well, the idea of both of you, not well, your idea. Well, right, not the, it you know, should be. talk too much about the book, but writing the book today. You know, you wrote some things down. Then I came back with just a little twist to make it. You know, when you're adding things and man, like I, I, I really again, this book has been so much fun today. I hope you've had a good time. Oh, it's been a blast. Here. But uh, but again, when you're, you're bouncing ideas, I've talked about about this before. Even that place where they trying to mimic the Big Bang is this huge steel structure, and it's where the you know it can go in circles, but. Those physicists, and they're much smarter than we are, and much smarter than Vince McMahon or any, or any of these other guys. They agree, you know. We, you know, even I disagree with this other guy over here about the Big Bang theory. I'm going to talk to him about it because I might figure out something, you know, else, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what, I love co- collaborating. Well, you can't you can't have an ego. You have to, like I said, you were talking about uh, um, the book today, and most writers, especially something like this, is going to say, "No, I'm the writer. You're going to tell right. me what what you know what's going on in your stories." And you read uh, you read the chapter that, that I'd written, and you say, "What if this?" And it's like, and I, it was incredible. And right. I and I said, I don't want to change much of what you said because it was that good. Now, if I'm a bad writer, I would say, "Well, I didn't write that. I didn't think of it. Right. Let's keep it out." Is that serving the book? No, no. no. I mean, so yeah. I know we both want all of us want the best product that we can. Right. Obviously, I am the, the the key person writing it. But if I consider, I mean, if you came up with an idea as we were talking today, why would I ignore it if right. it was good? 
Right. That that means I'm just a no a selfish bastard who only wants to do it my way. And maybe my way is good up to a point, or maybe it's good for these pages, not so good for these pages. Now I've just made a, a mediocre product, and right. and who's that helping? No, it's it's really I, I'm having so much fun with it right now. Um, of course, we had perfect weather today, uh, and tomorrow we're going to take a ride in that Bronco. <laughs> with, no, with no top on it. Yes. Okay, let's get to the second one. Okay. Um, this is one of the older ones, and I, I don't think we'll ever have proof positive either way. But the whole Stephanie McMahon, Randy Savage rumor about, you know, why Vince made him leave the WWE and didn't even look at him until he passed. I'm, you know what? I never heard that. Uh, really? Uh, you Neither? I, I've Barry? never heard it. The only thing I, I mean, I know, I mean, no. I mean, I just heard about the horrible circumstances of her, of her death, but I didn't hear of anything about, I mean, obviously I never worked for Vince, so I don't have the dual, no ideas yeah. of WCWN, no WWE, WWF. So I, I never came upon that rumor. This was the rumor that a young Stephanie and Randy had a fling. Oh. A very young. It, it makes sense yeah. when, you, when, when you put it that way. I and mean, that you, because of that, he was, you know, banished from the WWE. Right. And again, like, there was no mention talk of him, period, until his passing, and then he was inducted. You know, it's weird. I didn't think about that, but God, you have to think about that. I mean, I never heard that, but you would, I mean, Vince, you would definitely, you know, want to get Randy in the Hall of Fame before he died. Because there's going to be a clamoring for it. It's, it's no longer going to be up to you if you keep him out. Right. So, and wow. how, how do you justify that? Yep. But it's, a man, rumor like that, that, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. That would happen. I, would I you think, want that to happen to your daughter? Who's, I mean, how old was she? Was she in the business yet? Or is this before? The, rumor she, that, the, the information from the rumors that I've read, she was between 17 and 18. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, you're, you're, you're firing. That, I, I can see. I mean, obviously yeah. we can't confirm it because none of us no, know. No, but I, that certainly sounds very, very plausible, which is how some rumors get started. This sounds plausible. People will buy it. Yeah. Well, and even the one, one thing I read, the only two people that know about it, one has passed away, and the other will never, never say never a right. word. So, well, I'll never. tell you what he did date at one time. The most, one of the prettiest girls in business, I thought, at one time was that gorgeous George. <laughs> did you ever see her? I did not. She was in WCW. I just remember Gorgeous George from once again, the you know the old time. Uh, no, you don't remember his valet in WCW. I, well, I'm, I'm getting I'm old. I don't remember oh, anything. I'm telling you what, man. God, she was beautiful. And this is funny. You know, we'd been up all night doing TV. And we was doing that vignette to get her back. You know, and Randy's me and her in a limo, and they're trying to get me to my rental car where I can get to my flight, which is leaving in just minutes. You know, and. Uh, so Randy says to her, hey, baby, come on over here by the macho daddy. She goes, Randy, please, baby. No, she didn't say baby. She goes, Randy, please, I'm tired. Oh, yeah, oh. So you've been with Big Sexy, huh? You want to be good? She goes, Randy, don't start that. And I'm going, please don't start that. I just want to get through my car, you know. But she was real cool. Actually, I saw her on an autograph signing in New York about a year ago. Uh Love her to death, man, but God, she really got ugly. I mean, not <laughs> ugly, but, but she used to have that body like Raquel Welch, dude. And her, her waist, her breast, everything was perfect about her. Let's hope she's not listening now. What? But what? She's still a sweet girl, you know. But I mean, I thought. But you're was, ugly. No, she's not. She's not <laughs> ugly. She's still a very pretty girl, but it's just, it's weird as how, I mean, me and Marty Janetti both went, wow, what happened there, you know? 
I mean, she was truly like Raquel Welch, man. Blonde, maybe even prettier, you know, just, <clears throat> she came up to me and I was like, who is this girl trying to hug me? I, I'm uh, gorgeous George. Went, oh, how you doing? <laughs> One of those distant hugs, you know, yeah, like, oh yeah, don't touch me. So <laughs> your name became what, not so gorgeous So this, George. Is what, this is what happens, right? <laughs> so I go upstairs and wait, and we're all waiting to get our money and all of a sudden, the dude comes around and um, I took a hit one of those vape things, you know, never did. I was so high, I couldn't even talk. I was going, blah, 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 you know. I shouldn't have said that, but yeah. You shouldn't have said I, that. I, I vape all the time. No, no, no. no. I'll tell you That's... what it was in England, man. Of course, yeah, I smoke pot. Everybody knows that. I got my medical card. It's legal. Uh, so I was in England. and um, I did, Someone said, hey, man, you got a Q&A. And I thought it was like later on that afternoon. With the um, Booker T, I'll throw him under the bus. He gives me a hit off his vape thing. I'm sitting there just so high I couldn't even see. And they went, hey, man, you got a Q and a I said, when? He goes, like, right now. I went, oh, shit. <laughs> I was up there going, yeah. Um, I wrestled. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How long? Oh, yeah. A couple days. <laughs> it was just like, oh, shit. And then the second time it was a Q&A, it was everybody. It was me, Booker T, Ric Flair, Kevin... Uh, Scott, uh, Eric Bischoff, a couple other people. So they said, you got a Q&A. They said, but you're by yourself. You no. Know? So those guys were all up at stage. Now I'm all in stone. I'm thinking, well, if I sit here for a while, sort of straighten up. And then all of a sudden they played my music and went, oh, yeah, we're waiting on Sid Vicious. I went, oh, shit. And so they were like, yeah, oh, no show Sid. But I really wasn't trying to do that, you know. I said, I swear, man, dude just said I was by myself, man. Is that another rumor we can dispel? No, no show, Sid. That's my nickname. <laughs> no show, Sid. No show, Sid. Well, actually, let's get to this next rumor. Okay. This one is about Sid, and I purposely didn't tell you about this yet, Barry, because I want your your uh, reaction. Uh oh. the The story goes that while traveling on the road, uh, Sid had a pet with him. Oh God. A pet squirrel. Okay, it would he would take it into the locker rooms, and you know it was his friend. Now, the boys in the locker room, being the daring bunch they are, bet him he couldn't put it in his shorts for a minute. And he tried. It got to about 30 seconds before it bit him, and he needed stitches. Uh, <laughs> you believe that? <laughs> well, put it this way. As the publicist back then, I actually asked a lot of guys, if anything unbelievably embarrassing and horrible comes up, don't tell me. So I can do pl plausible deniability if the media calls me. You know, I, I want to do my you know my best. No, Sergeant Schultz, I know nothing. So I can legitimately say I've never heard that. Wouldn't have wanted to hurt. You know, no, here don't yeah. don't want, don't want to know it now. I still remember the phone call with you when I asked you about this. Yeah, and it's like, did you ever travel with a squirrel? And you went, what? What? <laughs> Why would I travel with a squirrel? I ate a few squirrels. <laughs> But yeah, so I think we can dispel we that can one. Squash that one. Yes. Okay. Um, one of the other ones that has come up, and again, this is another one that I know we'll never ever have an answer to. Right. But the Jimmy Snooker uh, rumor. Why? About his about the assaults and the killing. The murder. Yeah. I, I, because there's so much circumstantial evidence on that. How much do you actually believe something like that may have happened? Man, I swear. This is the thing. Is I, you know. As much as the boys talk, Barry, you know how the boys talk so much. You would have thought someone would have said that. You know, and I'm just giving an example. And I love Scott to death, or I really like Scott. 
Scott's one of those people that couldn't stop himself. Like, uh, we, we were all in a group setting or something, and maybe Jimmy would have said something smart or something like that. He'd go, yeah, man, but I didn't kill anybody. I mean, guys just can't stop themselves from saying things like that. And I'm the same. You know, if I knew that, I'd go, oh, yeah, Jimmy, you killed somebody lately? And I know someone like Brian Knobs would. So as long as I've been in the business, I never heard that rumor. Now, evidently, it happened because he went to court for it. Yeah, uh, they said there was uh, there was proof, you yeah. know, like circumstantial or otherwise. I I don't know the whole facts on the case. But that's crazy. Yeah, but and, and I keep looking too because people would even rib about it, like uh, you know, Sean against Brett with Sunny Days. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's doing that whole rib about oh, guess what I think you're doing. You yeah, know? yeah. So yeah, wouldn't it come up in the locker room at you least would, once or would, twice? You would more than that. You would think it would be, I mean, everybody would know about it. You know, I mean, it's just, I just can't believe that. And I mean, evidently it did happen, but maybe it happened so far long ago. Maybe it happened before we got into business. I don't know, you know, but um, the the thing about it is Jimmy Snooker was one of the nicest people in the world. I mean, just always cool. You know, I, matter, I remember taking Gunner uh, to the insane cl- uh, clown posse. Uh, the gathering where he did Lord Humongous, he actually rode with Jimmy Snooker and a bunch of Scott Hall and him in a limo. And, you know, Gunner said he was one of the nicest guys in the world. You know, here I got my f- son, you know. So you just wouldn't think that would be him now. You know, um, now this is a true story. Um, I remember one time before, before a pay-per-view, it was me and the Iron Sheik, and I hate saying this, I've never told this story on him. Um, we're sharing a room and, they had champagne and everything, but you had to pay for it if you got it. And so he goes, uh, he said, me and the girl are going to watch TV. And, and, and so the room was closed off. So I go in there and I hear a bottle of champagne open and the room's my name. I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm going to have a glass of wine and champagne with the girl and I'll split it with you. I go, no, you're not splitting with me. You're paying for it. You know? So I said, don't bug me anymore. I'm going to bed. I'm in a big pay-per-view the next night with Sting at Halloween Havoc. So then I hear a smack, something go across the wall. I hear this woman crying. He goes in, and he's already slapped her, and she's crawled, you know, she slid down the wall. You know, it's just, I, you know, I guess it's like their custom. The security guard came. It was a big deal. We finally got it worked out. But things do happen like that, you know, unfortunately. And I actually saw it, you know. Okay, then, then looking at that situation, did that situation ever come up in the locker room? No, I kept it to myself. Uh, reason so being, maybe. you know, I didn't want to get him in trouble. Yeah. The thing is this, and I'm not uh, belittle, you know, downplaying the girl, but really her deal was she just wanted to see Tom Zink. So I got Tom Zink on the phone. He agreed to let her in his room, and, um, you know, and everything was calmed down. Not, not that what he did was okay. Right. You know, but the police were there. They didn't do anything about it, and the police were, were called. So they saw that it wasn't enough to you know, take the sheet to jail for, but I tell you what, after that, he I never roomed with him again. Uh, very seldom would room with anybody. It's just I say I'm gonna, I'm not going to take that chance. But that kind of lends to the possibility that it did happen and right. didn't float around the, the locker room for the exact same reason. Right. And it's, I mean, it's yeah. how many times could have happened before? Yeah. I've actually heard of it happening more than that. You know, it's just that's I don't know. That's uh, we talked about this, and we're going to. Maybe talk a little bit about in the book. Man, there's just so many terrible things that, that are pale to that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 
just it's um you know, I still laugh about, you know, they fired Charlie Rose on PBS maybe interviewing someone in his underwear. You know, man, shit like wasn't that Vader in the hotel room? <laughs> yeah, or in the in the lobby yeah. in England. There. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, I don't know. It's um, it's everywhere. So it's not just wrestling, but it's a, yeah. it's terrible that it happened. Well, this next one, it started out as one, okay, but it creeped up so much with so many different people. It's just kind of lumped together. It always seems to be uh, interactions between Hogan and somebody else. Like I, one, it was Hogan and Brett. The other one was Hogan and Michaels. And the uh, did you guys hear anything about people not getting along with Hogan? Yes. Yes. Yeah, but but once again, I mean, it's for the type of business it is. There's going to be clashes. Who do you th- who you're talking about, Randy? A lot of people. I, really, I only heard Randy Savage really hating. I, I mean, I, yeah, and of course, no. The, the gimmick they had was they they had to be close friends. But I, I mean, I heard a lot of people had you no know, had problems with Hogan. I mean, obviously, something like that with with his stature that he had in the business and and where he was, and a lot of people felt it was just once again right thing, no right place, right time, right gimmick, which is true. I mean, and, and a lot of luck goes in, in, into success, and you can't really begrudge someone sure. for. Okay, you had the right look. You were in, in a Rocky movie that became very, very popular, and all of a sudden, it's the right time. Vince is pushing a certain time, no style, and you're the best person to do it. You run with it. You become the you know the, the leader of the industry, and then there's always going to be resentment. Well, I mean, as you know, said he's not that great a worker. He can't do this. He can't do that. This, you know, I'm so much better than him. So you're going to get resentment. Uh, I mean, he could have been the greatest guy in the world. With no one, I mean, I'm not saying that as I'm just saying that as an example where no one technically could have had any problem, but when you reach that level of success, where people, where people look at you, you are the business. He, he's on the cover of TV Guide. He is the one that really, the first one that brought, uh, brought mainstream success to professional wrestling. He's on Saturday Night Live. It's gonna develop you know, resentments. Those resentments are gonna percolate. Some people who are, are gonna get absolutely livid, pissed off, and anything he says or does could possibly be escalated way beyond it. So, some of it might be deserved. I wasn't, I mean, my interaction with him were slight and it was never on anything negative where I could complain. Physically, he said it did this to me and how outrageous that was. But I could, I definitely observed where that was a thing. So there is definitely, so, and it's not hard to imagine that. I mean, think of any professional sport, someone that reaches a certain level and there's going to be haters out there, whether it's deserved or not, just because, you know, uh, why are you at that? Why are you so big? Oh, you think you're so right? You're you're going to get called that. So there's there's nothing you can do, even if you never said a bad thing or did a bad thing to anyone, you're going to get that. This falls back on what we were talking about with Neil Pruitt too. Like when you are working with wrestlers, you're not working with a business. You're working with artists, right? You know, and they each have, and I use the word ego loosely because it's right. it's their inside. They have their voice, right? And they need to let it shine, right? So I guess I can see what you mean about clashing. And, and and part of the, we we talked a long time ago about Goldberg, who I right. thought was you no know, was was a decent guy, good wrestler, good gimmick, but part of the gimmick was he's not going to lose. That that was how they were putting him over. Right. And all of a sudden, he you no know, he starts believing that this is a thing. Yeah, I I I really have this undefeated streak. No, this is what's being programmed for you. This is what's being written. This is what's being. It, it, this is not and, you. And he wasn't a great wrestler. This is the thing is, I remember one time riding to the arena in Detroit from the airport with him, and he, he says this to me, he goes, Sid, if I can go another year without 
anyone kicking out of my finish was was a jackknife or something like that. He goes, I'll have it made. I go, no, Bill, how this works is if you find someone that can kick out of your jackknife, you're going to draw money for the first time. Because he never drew money. He's always in those big intros, but he never had, you know, our pay-per-views were, hell, we had Kiss open up. We shouldn't be sold out. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, again, he, he, he was a, had, he was over like a million dollars with that, you know, intro and stuff. But you have to find someone that's going to ground him. Now he's got to actually fight to win. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he didn't believe that, you know. But, again, that was unfortunately, you know, he learned that in WWF. And when he went to the WWF, would he last like a month? Right. And uh, Chris Jericho beat him up. And then, um, and then I think what really happened was supposedly, and I'm just guessing on this, um, you know, Vince, uh, uh, Miss McMahon, uh, what's her name? Linda. Linda had to answer the stock market, and they said the stocks are down, and they asked why. And, they, and she just said point blank, Bill's just not drawing what we thought he would draw. So he took that person, he quit, and I think Brock Lesnar quit like in all in the same week or something. Well, see, I, I get the angle, too. Like you're saying, undefeated is a cool angle. Because right. Taker did it, you know, for WrestleMania. Right. But that's one match a year. So right. you could, it's not every night. Right. And that's just it. If you're going a year where two or three matches a and, week. And this is something, too, uh, guys, I'm sure you know this. Like Tatanka, the Indian in WWF, you do an angle like that on a mid-card guy. That way it doesn't matter if he's got to win every night. And then what they finally – that Tatanka do that for a year or two, and then they wanted to develop a hill, and they brought that big German guy in, and he squashed him. Now he's over. So you use that gimmick only to get someone else over, not the guy who's winning. Yeah. And that's the difference. If Again, if and if you do it too long, then people don't believe he's able to – you know, get down. Well, that's know? just it too. If you're going to do it for, for, for like a baby face, you do it short, short. Yeah. You know, four or five matches because people will come for the next couple matches. Is this the one he's going to lose? Right. Is this, but when you drag it out a year, I know I'm, I'm tapping out at two months, right. you know, like that. Right. I don't care if he loses anymore. So now I can see that. But, right. but in defense of Hogan, uh, it, it did take a lot of guts considering what his gimmick was and that, you know, you know say your prayers, you know, you know, take your vitamins and be over for the kids to come into the NWO and, and be the heel because now, you know, people, people are starting to get tired of that gimmick. It's, right. wor- it, it's worn thin. We don't like it. You're, you're not that great a wrestler. And to embrace that is, is kind of hard. So I, I thought that showed a remarkable lack of ego, at least in that, that one instance, recognizing you're right. This this isn't working. It's made me a gajillion dollars for right. so long. I was on top of the heap. That's not happening. I'll do this. I'll I'll take the booze. I will destroy everything that I did for years because it makes sense. And not right. everyone would. I mean, you said Goldberg wouldn't do it, right? But but he did. So I I have to give him props. Yeah, you know, for for recognizing that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right, last one, and it's an interesting twist because everybody knows you vividly know. About the Montreal screw job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Barry has written a very cool manuscript. What is it, Shakespearean? It's, it's, it's a Shakespearean play. Yeah. Yes. In Shakespearean language. Based on? Based on the Montreal screw job. Because right. I thought of all the incidents that people would know, that is as Shakespearean as it gets. It just lent itself. Well, he, also was a, he also was a stalker for Bret Hart. I see. This is making more sense now. Yeah. 
I was a stalker for both of you. I told you that my one month as, as a bill collector, you know, when you're a bill collector, you're, you're asked to give a fake name for two reasons. One, they don't want anyone, because you're a bastard, calling people up asking for money. They don't want anyone to actually track you down and find it. And they also want names that are easy to remember. So they didn't want any two-syllable names. So the, uh, the name I created myself was Sid Hart. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Well, this rumor says that the Montreal Screwjob was not and that the entire thing was a work. I, you know, I have a little inside with a friend of mine who works there, and, and I believe he's real honest. That's Bruno. Let's throw him under the bus, too. <laughs> uh, he said it was a work. Yeah? Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it just when you look at it and watch the uh, footage they have on it, it just looks too, too fake. You know, uh, and then Brett really. When I got up, I punched him, and it was at least he was off. He was off the ground at least two feet. You don't just knock somebody in the air two feet. You know, I just I believe it was a work. I think it was a work. And this why th- this is the reason why. All right, when Brett came in, WWF came back. And he signed this contract, and Vince told him, you know, my understanding that hey, we can't afford to pay you this. You're not drawing that much money. So he's well, what we'll do. We'll help you get a job with WCW. So Brett, you know, talks to them and gets the deal, and then now, um, now I I don't know. I believe the finish could have been a a shoot. You know what I mean? Because I just don't see Brett wanting to do that. Well, see, it's interesting that you worded it like that, right? Because the two articles I read said that it was a complete work, and it was done to help Brent look good going to WCW, right? So it's interesting that you said it like that. Yeah, that's what I understood it was, to try to make him look good. And, you know, that way it didn't look like they were double-crossing WCW just to get a big contract. And, and here's why I actually don't think it's a work. And I don't mean to contradict Sid because he knows more about it than I do. So, therefore, people should take anything I think and say with a grain of salt. Yes, I did as much research as I could for the play, even though it didn't matter to me what it was. Because the whole idea of the play Screwjob was the ethical conundrum that I thought everyone would have involved in this. No, I mean, I made, you know, obviously Vince McMahon look not as horrible as he might come out if he was trying to screw Brett. So the reason I don't think it was a work is I've never took a lot of faith in any type of conspiracy theory because it would always take so many people to shut their mouth for decades. That's why I, I don't think 9-11 was a, no, a conspiracy because the no, more people you have no. involved in it, one person who was really, really there and has the absolute inside knowledge at some point is going to either accidentally leak it or, truth, or really leak it because that's what they intend to do. Right. And when that doesn't happen, I think, okay, that's why I think it, it, it sounds great. I mean, you have, especially with wrestling fans who are scrutinizing everything they i mean this is what the, the the old magazines did they would write their entire angles anything any wrestling promotion did didn't matter to the magazines pro wrestling illustrated right. their writers were going to create their entire angles that made sense to them for for their readers and was, some of them was actually more interesting than the real ones i just think you get a wrestling fan and you get as many of them who are, you're going to get them talking then the internet internet chatter and it becomes very very easily to promote know that because one in in the context of wrestling of course that's feasible right no i mean, I mean it has even a grain of possibility it's going to go out there and then someone's going to say i mean like you said the whole idea that there's no way he he hit him and knocked him out, no, off his pins for two feet right true is it possible that someone like brett would then completely exaggerate yes 
you know, in, in that in, in that context. Sure. So therefore, it happened. It just didn't happen like that. It doesn't right. mean the whole thing is a work. It's a lie. He just didn't quite you know was honest about that one thing. So that meant, oh, well, that yeah, that, no, that you're right, right, you're right, you're right. It could be that. So I mean, I would take what you believe you know, more see, because it's, it's weird. I really believe they did scream on the. I just don't see Brett doing that finish for all the money and all the bananas in Cuba. You know, letting him beat him with his finish. So, but I, I, in I think, Canada, right? I think there was you no. Know, uh, I think they did that for. I think that's real, but I don't think the fight took place like they said. You know, I just I don't. I know you can't do one or the other, but I, I just can't see Brett doing that in his hometown. This is devil's advocate. Then right. would Brett do that? Knowing it would give him a bigger push in WCW, and hopefully rake him a bit more cash. Well, yeah, and that's true too. It's all about money. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's just seeing what's happened afterwards. They're so distant, you know. We don't want anything to do with them. Of course, the thing happened with Owen too. Yeah, it's probably well, a sad deal. I mean, a, a bad, sour deal for everyone. Well, and the way I look at it too is, I know Vince would want to help Brett. Right. But would Vince want to make WWE look that bad, right. helping Brett get over there and possibly alienating a lot of fans to follow right. him? Right, right. And, and here's another reason why I didn't think that ha- that happened because, and Sid can can attest to this. You no, know, WCW was handing out lollipops to any WWF superstar, and Brett was what was the the face of that. He's getting a lot of money from WCW anyway because it's a big feather in their cap. Bret Hart is here, right? They so I don't think Vince. They don't think we need to give Bret a, 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 you know this goodbye present that's going to help him make money at WCW. That no. he was getting a a big contract, no no matter what, right? Uh, so once again, I just can't believe that so many people got involved to make this thing and have all kept it under wraps, and you haven't right. heard of a single person really really involved. I said, let me. Let me tell you what really happened here. Right. I, I, I mean, like the Jerry Lawler, uh, no, Andy Kaufman thing. No, Lawler has, I mean, right. people have come forward yeah. and said, I mean, they could have probably kept people guessing that forever. And to this day, people say, oh, Andy Kaufman's alive. He's, right. Once you have a few people think that, it, then it spreads. So that's why I think in this case, no, it, it that's, happened. That's the way it was. That's the interesting thing about yeah. rumors. Because right now, yeah. Andy Kaufman's sitting somewhere with Elvis and yeah. Bruce Lee. And, and Jim Morrison, right? Yes, you know. I wish I was with him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Let's get to our question. My time is yours. And for this week's question, we have Jeremy from Tennessee. What do you got? Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Sid. I, I was just wondering... Um, what was it like among most of the wrestlers you worked with? Uh, was there a lot of contention, or, or did most of you get along for the most part? I, I think, like you said, we all got along for the most part. There was always a, you know, like one shit disturber between everyone, you know, but they usually kept, you know, the shit disturbers sort of kept the low down. But for the most part, everybody was pretty cool, you know, like you, you would think. Awesome. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle Podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.